Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, hey, Jim, has the Minnesota Aurora, have they lost a game yet as a, as a team? I don't think they've lost, have they? Uh, last year they went undefeated in the regular season, won their playoff games, lost in the championship game in overtime. Ah. That is their only loss as a franchise. Overtime, last year, championship game. Uh, they went undefeated again this year. Uh, they play, I think, Chicago City on Thursday in Flint, Michigan. Uh, they've like basically got to win three playoff games to get back to the championship. Uh, they've already beaten Chicago twice this year. They overwhelmed them on uh, last Sunday when I, I went to write about them. Saturday, Saturday, I think last Saturday they beat them like eight to one or something or eight nothing. Excuse me, seven or eight nothing. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a, it's one of the most remarkable stories I've ever been around. Um, my friend Andrea Yak, who's worked in a lot of media and for a lot of teams locally, uh, she decided that Minneapolis needed a minor league women's soccer team. Got a bunch of her friends uh, who were soccer fans together at a beer garden in St. Paul. I said, yeah, let's do it. They started a team. Uh, and, you know, listen, you, you and I could start a minor league women's soccer team, and it would probably just draw eight people and be really lousy and be just a – Played in a park someplace, right. Some, you know, with their connections and with the fact they kind of tied it to a lot of good works and good intentions. They are playing at TCO Performance Center in uh, the stadium. The Vikings stadium are le- the Vikings are letting them use the state their stadium. It's a perfect venue for them. They're drawing. They drew six thousand last year per game. This year they're drawing seven thousand because they expanded the capacity. They sold out pretty much every home game. Uh, they have been good enough that they've considered going. Like it's kind of a pre-professional minor league is what it is, mm-hmm. but they've actually considered at some point going professional because they've had so much success. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah, a lot of fun to see, and some local players, too. I was just reading oh, yeah. your newspaper today, Maya Hansen, uh, a local player. I, I would assume there's quite a few. It's a nice mix. Mm-hmm. A lot of local high school players, some local college players, um, some, you know, there's a, a set of triplets from Colorado two of whom are playing at Florida International. Uh, Tiana, Tiana Harris, who actually went out with uh, Justin Jefferson for a while. She played uh, two different college places now. I think she's at uh, Kent uh, University, and she's like one of the better players in the country. Uh, you know, it just kind of cycle. Sarah Fuller was like their most famous player because she was the, uh, the Vanderbilt soccer player who kicked for the uh, football team mm-hmm. and the first woman to play Division One football. So she was their goalie last year. She was kind of their big media star. And this year... Without her, they're they're just as good and they're just as interesting. You know, and the Loons, uh, there's a great atmosphere there. What they draw, 20,000 fans. Uh, also, it does look as though soccer is picking up in popularity across the country, certainly here in Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And we always wondered when would it happen. Because, you know, I'm from the generation where our kids played youth soccer. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kid played youth soccer. And we're like, hey, when's that going to translate into people actually caring about the sport? Mm-hmm. Um and we've seen now the World Cup has been in the United States. Women's soccer uh, has certainly grown a lot. The U.S. women's national team has been a dominant force. Uh, now you're seeing the MLS starting to maybe maybe seem to break through a little bit. It it's still a weirdly it's still a popular niche sport more than anything else. And one thing you know, my newspaper discovered is that you know, listen when we when we write about the Vikings or the Twins or a major news story on the, the Wolves or the the, the wild, you know, we get a we get a tremendous amount of traffic on our website. Yeah. Um, when we write about the loons, we get almost no readership. Hmm. So it's like it's almost like the 
the microbrew mentality applied to sports. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't really need, you know, they don't need to sell as many beers as Budweiser. They just need to have kind of their loyal little, their loyal contained fan base, and those people just don't care to. They don't look at it the way Vikings fans, who you know, Vikings fans, Wild fans, they want to know. Okay, what did Brian O'Neill have for breakfast yesterday? How yeah. is that? How is that going to affect the season? Yeah. With the loons, it's more. Hey, they're playing soccer over there. That's a great time. Let's go have fun with it. But it's, right. they don't. I don't think they spend a lot of time really analyzing lineups. You know. Do you see that changing at some point where people really yeah. do start to dig into the numbers and so forth? Yeah, and there are those people, and and there are that there is that fan base. Mm-hmm. It, but it still feels like more like a good time than uh, a sport where. God, they've got to win for my life to have meaning like the Vikings and the Twins. <laughs> uh, let's talk Lynx a little bit uh, as well. They play Indiana tonight. After an 0-6 start, they've been one of the better teams in the league at 7-3. and Now I know the Vegas Aces, I think, have one loss, and there's another super team. Uh, and, and they are trying to form super teams these days in the WNBA. But the Lynx have really rebounded. They seem to be coming together. They really have. Uh, Collier has gone from being a really good player to being kind of a, on the verge of superstardom. She's just doing things she's never done before. She's crossing people over. She's fighting through double teams. She's scoring in traffic. Uh, she's really kind of imposing her will. And that was the one thing I didn't know if she would ever do. She's just a good all-around player. More, She was always a good all-around player more than she was a dominant player. Now she's becoming a dominant player. Uh, and Diamond Miller, listen, they started playing. So the second factor is Cheryl Reeve has figured out a way for them to run their offense, which is a brand-new offense for them no matter who plays point guard. Uh, when they started off, they were doing you know, with Tiffany Mitchell. She really struggled. She's a shooting guard. She struggled to play the point for a few games. She started figuring it out. She got hurt. They put Lindsey Allen, their backup in, and she's played phenomenal, probably the best basketball of her career. Uh, they've also, uh, Jess Shepard was kind of their de facto center, really a power forward, playing kind of a small center. And without her, they thrived too. Uh, Dorka has been excellent. But really the biggest thing here is, and, and Cheryl's gotten them playing much better defense than they were early. They were playing horrible defense early in the season. Mm-hmm. The big, and, and then Diamond Miller comes back from her ankle injury, and she's changed the way they play. She, by her, all by herself, the ability to rebound herself, uh, lead a one-person fast break, score if they don't double-team her, kick to somebody if they do, score from all kinds of different angles. She has just energized them. Um, and they were playing well before she came back, but she gives them – a completely different level of athletic ability and pace. They'll play Indiana uh, tonight. Uh, they feature Aaliyah Boston, who was an All-American for South Carolina and a very well-known player. Great player. Got to see her win the uh, national championship here at Target Center a couple of years ago. Uh, and, you know, listen, so much of sports is luck. If Diamond Miller, I think, is going to be a wonderful player. But Aaliyah Boston might be the, like the next Sylvia Fowles-type figure in the league. And, hey, if the Lynx had gotten lucky and gotten the first pick, they would have taken Aaliyah Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got Diamond Miller. Uh, again, Diamond Miller it might be a really, really good player in this league. But I don't know that she's going to be as dominant as Boston is going to be. Are we seeing a resurgent Twins lineup, or is it nice to be playing the Kansas City Royals? I don't think we know yet. Mm. Um, I, I, do see the, I do see a better approach. Mm. Uh, and... Three of their last five games, they've scored a lot of runs and gotten it going and gotten a rally going. Because, you know, what they've, they've been so home run dependent. It's like strikeout or home run. If you don't hit enough home runs, you're not going to find any other way to score runs, and you're dead. What we've seen the last couple of games on our Friday in Baltimore was kind of the classic Tom Kelly. You know, Tom Kelly always talked, said, first and third all day, boys. Mm-hmm. In other words, get a single, be aggressive on the bases, 
get the guy home from third, and then keep keep the train moving. And this is the this team's been the opposite of this. It's been like if we don't hit it 500 feet, then we have no capability of doing anything. Um, now you're seeing a team that can bunt, a team that's aggressive on the bases. They're starting to put together a better approach. Uh, Kepler has, after I was done with him, uh, he suddenly looks like a different hitter. And you know what the difference is? They've stopped like having coaches meetings where the hitters just sit there and listen, and they've started having hitters meetings where the hitters all talk to each other about approach and what they've seen out of a pitcher before, and you know what they should be looking for. And listen, it's three out of five games. It's not a trend yet. Yeah. But. But the, the at-bats have been better the last couple of days. Yeah, no doubt. And in particular from Kepler, as you chronicled, and, and obviously good to see Kenta Maeda pitch the way he did. But again, it's, it's not a legitimate Major League lineup necessarily. They have a, a couple of hitters sprinkled in. But, uh, you know, a little bit of a grain of salt with Maeda's outing yesterday, isn't there? Yeah, but I thought he pitched well on the road trip, too, against a yeah. good, very good lineup. I, I just think he looks like he looked in 2020 with the ball, his command, he has enough velocity, and the ball's moving all over the place. To me, he looks really good. Mm. Uh, the fourth betting favorite of a landing spot for Dame Lillard is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Do you see any way that he winds up in Minnesota? No. I don't either. That, short answer is no. Longer answer is, you know, we didn't see them train for Gobert either. They're, they're, they, you know, they do surprise us periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I know tells me that they love their roster. They think an offseason of growth and and rethinking the offense, having Cat healthy is going to put them in a great position. They want to see what this group will do, can do. Um, also, if you trade for Dame Lillard, okay, now, you know, that it's already hard to fit Cat, Ant, and Gobert on the same team. Lillard wants huge money. I'm not sure how that works. And, that, and you know, they can move away from Cat next year if this thing doesn't work. You trade for Lillard, I don't, I don't know. It just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, me neither. It seems kind of far-fetched, and yet Vegas thinks there's a chance. Uh, Jim, we'll look forward to seeing you at the Pro-Am tomorrow. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.